huye. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The Sean Payton saga has finally come to an end. Sean Payton is headed to the Mile High City. That's right. The Denver Broncos have reached a deal for the former New Orleans Saints Super Bowl winning head coach. As the Saints will be reportedly getting Denver's late first round pick this year. A second round pick in 2024. In return, the Broncos get Sean Payton and then they get a third round pick from the Saints in 2024. Multiple reports are coming out about that. So Sean is on the move. He's going to the AFC. The Saints get actual picks. And everyone can now move on with their life. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and company on this chilly February 1st morning. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch III. I'm joined... Inside the game studios by Dal with with by why what words are hard words are hard got to figure out the nickname now that the Sean Payton stuff's done we're going to talk about that a lot on today's show we got to figure out what we're going to do for our guy Dawson he's got a cool sounding last name he's already got a cool nickname that his dad is willing to pass down to him many of you keep trying to insert other nicknames. And Dawson is swatting it away like Matumbo did back in the day. So we're going to figure that out. Dawson, can we do that since it's the Pro Bowl week? Maybe we can craft a poll question to get the best recommendations on Friday. You don't want to do a full breakdown of the flag football game instead? Oh, no. no. (laughs) Tyler Huntley is a pro bowler. I hope his agent has a contract incentive worked in there. God bless him. And I hope it's something ridiculous, like because the Ravens are probably like, oh yeah, whatever, ten million if you're a Pro Bowler, you're a backup quarterback. I, I know Mahomes is not going, and Allen's not going, and Joe Burrow's not going. Couldn't you just had Russell Wilson go? Instead? But Andy Dalton. Well, you can. It was only for the AFC though. Oh, true. That's right. Or maybe Derek Carr, Jarrett Stidham. I don't know. Well, then Someone. the other thing is, I guess they're still naming it that way, but it's. The teams are picked by Peyton and Eli anyway, so what does it even matter what conference? Thank you. You could have sent Heineke. I, I don't I like. You could have done something else. Tyler Huntley, guy has more interceptions than touchdown passes. Oh yes, the Pro Bowl. Yeah, they just they keep trying. They keep trying. We'll figure out Dawson's nickname. You know, we'll get that ball rolling later this week, and then maybe we can debut it next week. We'll have some fun with that. we got plenty to get to today. Raging Cajuns, men's and women's basketball. It's National Signing Day, but I expect it to be a very kind of lackluster day for the Meanies Cowboys, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the LSU Tigers because all three of them 
locked up the majority of their signing classes back during the early period in December. But we'll give you any updates that come out on that as well. And, of course, we'll talk NFL, LSU, and Cajuns. But we're going to start off with the Sean Payton news. It finally happened. Denver looked like one of the front runners for a long time. Then things cooled off. Then there was multiple reports about the Denver Broncos ownership, which is the Waltons, as in the Walmart dynasty, going and trying to talk to Jim Harbaugh. But they settled on Sean Payton. And the Saints are going to receive the Broncos' first-round pick, which is pick number 29, and a second-round pick. And the Broncos are also expected, once the deal is finalized, to make Payton one of the highest-paid head coaches in the league. Now, there was talk of him wanting like 20 mil per year. Do I personally believe Sean Payton's worth $20 million a year? No. Do I personally think there's not that much of a difference between Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy? Yeah. Sorry, Saints fan. Look at the resumes. I mean, you're talking about guys that have nearly identical win-loss record, nearly identical playoff win-loss record. Both had first ballot Hall of Fame generational quarterbacks. Both of them only had one Super Bowl appearance on their resume, one Super Bowl win on their resume, disappointing playoff exits on their resume. There's a lot more similarities between Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy than there's Sean Payton and Bill Belichick. Sorry. Sean did great things, great offensive mind. But... That Super Bowl was for the 2009 season? He retired after the 2021 season? Didn't get back to another Super Bowl after that? I'm just... Great coach. Maybe. Worthy of being like $20 million a year? Uh, I don't think so. I, I... there's very few coaches that I would pay that much money for. Bill Belichick, Bill Walsh, back in the day, very few. Is Sean Payton a better coach than Andy Reid? I would say no. I'd say no. Andy got to more conference championship games. Got to more Super Bowls. Is Sean Payton, as it stands right now, probably a top 10 coach in the league? Yeah. Is he, would I have traded a first round draft pick and a second round draft pick and then pay him reportedly $20 million a year? No, I wouldn't. But Denver did. And the Broncos wanted their man. And they believe, here's the thing if you're Denver. They're all in like the Rams were. They traded away all their picks to go get Russell Wilson, right? Now they've traded away the rest of their picks to get Sean Payton. They have no picks. They have minimal picks, 
and they're all in on their team because they spent all their money to get a quarterback, spent all their capital to get a quarterback, just like the Rams did to get the quarterback they wanted when they traded for Matthew Stafford. Oh, and now they, instead of going out and getting like a free agent like Avon Miller or adding Odell Beckham Jr. or something like that, which Denver could still do, right? They could still add a couple of pieces, some team-friendly deals. They can still have those options like the Rams did with guys wanting an opportunity to win a championship. But they're all in here. The Broncos believe that Russell Wilson is their guy. They believe that Russell Wilson can be an elite quarterback again in this league, that Russell Wilson can lead them to a Super Bowl, and they believe Sean Payne's the man to make it happen. Do I believe Russell Wilson can get back to form? Maybe. But it wasn't just last season. It was the back half of the season prior in Seattle. Remember, he had the great start to the year. He was in the MVP conversation. And then you got to, if I remember right, Dawson was around November, and all of a sudden, Russ looked awful for no good reason. We never got an explanation. Was he injured? What happened? Because all of a sudden, he went into the tank. It looked bad. The back half of the 2021 season. And he never looked right in 2022. Not once. So, is Russ closer to being washed up than he is being a, let's just say, a Pro Bowl-level quarterback? I don't know. Obviously, Sean's taking the job knowing that the ownership group is committed. They parted ways with their coach and kept the quarterback. They've invested, what, $200 million into Russell Wilson? So, they're hiring Sean Payton to fix Russ. And they're going to pay him a lot of money to fix a problem that they spent a lot of money on. This could work out really well, right? At the end of the day, it's all about winning a championship. The Rams mortgaged their future to win that championship. That's all that mattered to them. And it worked. They won the Super Bowl. Can Denver do the same next year or the year after? The defense is great. They got some guys on the outside that can catch the football. Very good wide receivers. Do they have a number one? Probably not, but they got two really strong number twos. Run the football. Offensive line is pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. Maybe. Do I think adding Sean Payton all of a sudden makes Denver on the same level as Cincinnati, Kansas City, and Buffalo? No. So... You're, you mortgaged your future to get Russ. You're mortgaging the rest of your future to get Sean Payton, Dawson. You're paying a lot of money to make them, at best, a wild card team? Is that worth it? I don't think so. If I'm looking at the landscape of the NFL, especially the AFC, and I look, Buffalo's still really good. Kansas City's going back to the Super Bowl again. Uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals aren't going anywhere. Oh, and this kid down in Florida looks like they got it together down as well. Does, does Denver 
because of Sean Payton, are all of a sudden they a Super Bowl contending team? I don't think so, but I'll open up the floor. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they immediately contend for a Super Bowl, but I would be shocked they don't make the playoffs next year. I think Sean brings stability, uh, which I think they obviously didn't have a lot of with Nathaniel Hackett. I think that whole mesh point was strange, and Russ brought in some different ideas, and I think a lot of it clashed and didn't work. But I think I Sean agree. comes in, and I think he settles things down. I think that offense will look much more competent. Uh, that's the other thing, too. We kept sitting there looking at their, at their offense and going, all the pieces are there. They just can't make it work. And I think Sean fixes a lot of that. I think your point about Mike McCarthy maybe says more about our perception of Mike McCarthy than it does Sean Payton. I think McCarthy's right. kind of come back in the league and now surprised me by you know stabilizing this Dallas situation. Now, they didn't do what they wanted to do in the playoffs, but he came in and continued to win games. So I think now we'll see when he takes over calling plays again. It's been a while since he's done that. Uh, and Kellen Moore was hired. The, it's it's never a good sign when you fire somebody and they ha- they're hired the next day. Within 24 hours, the Chargers pounced on yeah, that. That might, like, that might say maybe we made the run, which I know a lot of people don't like Kellen Moore. I personally think he's going to be a very good offense coordinator in this league. But, yeah, no, I think Sean's going to work in Denver. And I really, uh, again, I, yeah, it's part of what I talked about on Foot Show yesterday. It's uh, like why I think Brady tries to go somewhere else besides the Raiders because that division is tough right now. And Ooh. the AFC in general is you're looking back, I'm getting flashbacks of Manning and Brady. It feels like Burrow and Mm. Mahomes and potentially Josh Allen are going to be battling it out for years to come. But at the same time, I think Sean gets Denver back in the mix. And, uh, you know, that defense is still pretty good. They have some playmakers. They're going to have to try and make one or two more deals. Maybe that third that the Saints sent back gets sent back to New Orleans for Taysom Hill, something like that. We'll see. Oh, there it is. Which I wouldn't be a fan of, personally. I love Taysom. But if you can get a third-round pick for a guy who's 33 years old, there it is. And Sean loves. We'll, we'll see. That, you know, that's speculation, but we'll see. How big, how large is the window for Denver? Because Russ is, what, 32, right? Yeah, it's, it's Russ's contract, and it's... Russ's contract is the big thing because you can't, you can't move on from it. So you, if you're Sean Payton, you have to make it work with Russ. Yeah, and I think he knows that. So... I don't think he'd have taken the job if he didn't think it could work. Do you think that was the trepidation on why it took so long? Him kind of really mulling it over going? Well, the reports are, if you read it, that they moved on and Sean wasn't their top target and then they kind of got left out to dry. So that I don't know how true that is. There's some Denver reporters that are you know, basically swearing by it and saying, no, look, we, they were out on him. Uh, maybe that's them not wanting to admit they were wrong when he ends up going there, but the reports are that they had moved on from Sean and then kind of had to circle back. So I, I don't know what you want to believe out of that. But overall, I think it's going to work out in their favor because I think Sean's going to stabilize that. And that's maybe just me being a believer in the guy that we watched for so many years in New Orleans. But I, uh, I have a hard time thinking that he's not going to go in there and at least have a winning record, put this team in the playoffs. And then at that point, we'll see what happens. I don't disagree with that. I just don't know if Sean Payton's the missing piece. And I felt the same way about them trading for Russell Wilson. It's dangerous to go all in believing that one guy, one individual can be your savior. Because the expectations are now going to be Super Bowl or nothing. If you're a Denver fan base, that's what you expect now. That's what you expect. And you're going to be paying Sean Payton to be one of the highest paid coaches in the league to be a wildcard team. 
Hey, 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 I'm just saying, expectations are. When he came to New Orleans, there was no expectations. He was replacing Hazlitt, and he was replacing a team that was devastated by Katrina. There was no expectations. It's a little bit different now. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes down. Want to hear from you. Want to get your reaction about the Sean Payton trade. Give us a call. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on John from New Iberia, who's been patiently waiting. John, how you, hope you're doing well this morning, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, uh, this is what y'all was talking about this morning. I don't think the Sean Payton thing is going to work in Denver. Because when you look at the quarterbacks that, um, that Sean Payton worked with, Drew Brees, he was a quarterback that would – Read real quick. Read number one. Read number two. Get rid of the ball quick. Russell Wilson is a totally different type of quarterback. He likes to throw the long ball, and he likes to stretch out plays and scramble all over the place. Russell Wilson can't scramble like he used to, and Sean Payton never really dialed up the deep ball that much in New Orleans under Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees was a quarterback that read his options real quick, Got out of the, got rid of the ball real quick. Russell Wilson is not that type of quarterback. I don't think it's going to work. I just want to see what y'all thought about that opinion. John, appreciate the phone call, Bud. Dalton Isle, react to that. You be safe out there today, Bud. Thank you. Thank you. You know, early on, they did use the deep threat with Devery, right? Opelous is high. You know, local product, Devery Henderson, LSU guy. But they didn't necessarily throw the deep ball all the time. Right? They'd use Devery. They tried to replace Devery with Robert Meacham, and then Devery stayed, and they got rid of Meacham. And then Meacham came back again. Uh, but primarily, their passing attack, Marcus Colston was never a burner. Right? He was never a burner. Early on, they would use Colston. They'd use Jeremy Shockey. Of course, and we know what they did with Jimmy Graham. And they love using undersized slot wide receivers. They'd have a deep guy. They'd always have someone that would take the top off. But it wasn't necessarily 50-yard passes were their forte. Not really. It was more of, hey, if that guy's open, we can get it to him. But John kind of makes a point that it wasn't the Sean Payton offense was not dependent on the deep ball. Yeah, but I would almost like disagree with the sentiment because, A, Russell Wilson kind of 
not to say he's a similar style player to Drew Brees, but Drew Brees is the guy that he's given credit for the reason he's in the league because it kind of opened up the idea of a shorter guy. It's true. And the other thing is I think you didn't see the deep ball later from Drew Brees, not because they didn't want to, but just because he wasn't physically that guy anymore. And he, he never threw a great deep ball. So I don't think – I think Sean's actually looking at this and now he's got more options. The ability for Russ to extend the play is only – you know that's not something that's necessarily called into the play either. That's something that Russ is going to do. Do you think he can still do that at a high level? Yeah, I think so. I really think a lot of what happened in Denver was circumstantial. And the biggest concern I have with Russ is whether or not the guys around him are going to buy in. But I think Sean being there kind of helps that because clearly there wasn't a great you know figure in place this year with Hackett. Didn't seem like that worked at all. So you, you bring in Sean to kind of stabilize that situation, maybe let Russ do some of his weird things on his own, and Sean can be that leader, and Russ can be you know focus more on being the quarterback, and I think that maybe helps. And Sean can push Russ, and Russ, who we've reportedly have heard, really kind of stumped for Sean right wanting him so Russell isn't stupid right he knows that this is a chance for him to get right probably his last chance to get right here comes a guy that coached Drew Brees and we know how much Russell Wilson loved Drew right talked about him all the time anytime they're at the Pro Bowl together it was always you know photo op and everything like that he loved talking to Drew I think the bigger concern my, my, my number one concern, if I'm Sean Payton and I'm taking over in Denver, Dawson, what am I going to do with Russ and what am I going to do about the offensive line? He was sacked a ton this year. A ton. Now, part of that's because Russ, as you said, likes to extend the play and likes to try to make something happen. If you're Sean, do you go to Russ and say, you have that great ability, that's great. But you put yourself in, in worse situations this past season because you tried to do too much, and that offensive line isn't built to handle that. Because they're not. Denver's offensive line was not built to handle a guy running out of the pot. Like, they just couldn't do it. Yeah, and, you know, like, I, I do, didn't... Do, do, do you try to make them say, hey, I'm going to try to make you more like Drew Brees. I'm going to try to make you... I want you to use your legs. Don't get me wrong. But you're like 32, 33 years old, and you got sacked a ton last year. Maybe we should – we're going to fix this offensive line, Russ, and I want you to stay in the pocket. I, I don't know. I don't know how Sean is going to approach Russell because that's another part of the Denver situation that we didn't talk enough about this year. Their offensive line wasn't very good. Well, again, I think the collaboration of minds is only a good thing in this situation. And, and Russ – you know, look, he's never played necessarily with a head coach. You know, Pete Carroll, of course, is always a defensive-minded coach. Now, he had different offense coordinators and guys like that. But for so long, we talk, they talked about in Seattle, let Russ cook, right? Like, he wasn't allowed to do enough. Now, that's, true. that's partly what people came back and said, well, look what happened when they tried to let him do it in Denver. It didn't work out. But I would also argue he's now got the best offensive coach he's ever had, you know, that he now gets a full offseason to collaborate with and come up with ideas and kind of share philosophy. So, yeah, do, do they need to change what he does and kind of adjust? Certainly. I mean, that's that's kind of and, – and as we're seeing, I think it's also interesting the longevity of some of the guys like Brady and those those guys have all been pocket passers. Of course, the running quarterback and the evolution of the more mobile guys is more of a new thing, not to say we haven't had those guys in the past, but – It is changing. Those guys are able to stay in the league longer. And now, well, also, though, it's it's going to be interesting to see how those guys, you know, as you get, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, this whole group of guys 
as they age, and Russ is kind of one of the – I wouldn't say he's the same mold as those guys, but a guy who's able to extend the plays. Are those guys able to change and kind of stay in the pocket as their athleticism declines? You know, a guy like Rodgers is certainly mobile, but his, that was never really the strength of his game. He could do it if he had to, but he can play from the pocket. He was shifty. And Russ can do the same. So that's what I think. You get Sean Payton in there to kind of – reimagine what his strengths are at this point in his career, and I think it could be a good collaboration. We could see good things from him. The offensive line, I mean, and I, I'm not as dialed in with Denver's offensive line issues this year as I was maybe with the Saints, but, uh, yeah, I think it's certainly fixable. They've had guys in the past. It's not like it's you know one of the bottom-tier teams. They were also able to run the football at times, so you also get Javante Williams back from injury and try yeah, and you know, re, you know establish a running game. Russ has always been better when he's had you know those guys like Marshawn Lynch who can – take some of the pressure off and correct and I, I also it, it, it pops in my mind too you know giving him a complimentary run game but look this was the lowest scoring offense in the NFL he only threw a career low 16 touchdowns he was sacked a career high 55 times Dawson 55 that's not going to be just fixed by Sean Payton. So Denver's going to have to do some other things there as well. Russ and Sean, right? They're going to they're going to cook together. But just adding Sean is not going to fix the fact that he was sacked 55 times. Like there, there's going to have to be and I know they don't have a ton of capital and I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to figure out how to fix that offensive line. Now a lot of that's on Russ because Russ wants to extend the play and he gets the sack. I get that. But lowest scoring offense, they, they can only go up, right? Adding Sean Payton can only make them better. I just don't know if it's enough to put them over the top. Keep those phone calls coming. Game hotlines open 337 That's 337-706-0111. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we'll unveil our poll question of the day. It's usually a foodie poll question, but not this week. It's all about Sean Payton. That's next. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. Or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. On Wednesdays, it's typically a foodie poll question, but this week we opted to go with more on Sean Payton because we want to hear your reaction. So, what is your reaction to the Sean Payton trade to the Denver Broncos? Is it great, Saints got picks? Is it good, but you wanted a little bit more? Is it sad, wish he never left? Or is it you're relieved? It's finally over. Those are your options for our poll question of the day. What is your reaction to the Sean Payton trade to the Denver Broncos? Right now, it is a battle. 
29% of you say great. Saints got picks. Once again, they'll get number 29 first round pick. I'm not going to explain to you how Denver has that pick because, whoa. I got you there. Go ahead. I, I know how it is. I'm going to struggle to explain it, but that's why I have Dawson here. So Denver did give up almost all of their picks for Russell Wilson, but last season they traded away Bradley Chubb mid-year to Miami and picked up Miami's first-round pick. So that's why it's 29 and not earlier on. It is the Miami Dolphins' original first-round pick that is now then went to Denver, now is in New Orleans. But didn't the pick also go somewhere else too? Because Miami 29, because – Typically, that would be one of the teams in the conference championship. Yeah, so Miami... It Miami, belongs to San Francisco in a weird way, right, because of the trade? I think so, yeah. yeah. Miami is another one that, of course, they've had, like, you know... It's so complicated. Which, I will say this, I way prefer the NFL's process for first-round picks in the NBA, where the NFL, once you trade the pick, you just trade the pick. But in the NBA, we have this thing where... We're going to put on the hat of the team that owned the pick, even though we're never... It's so terrible. It's so stupid. So I can't dumb. stand that. So, so at least dumb. the NFL is like, yeah, once the pick's traded, yeah, it's it's your pick now. You can do what you want with it. Instead of, oh, yeah, you call the Pelicans and tell them who you want to draft, and they'll draft it for you. Which, by the way, as far as I know, there's this concept where like teams could draft <laughs> whoever they wanted, even though they don't own the rights of the pick, and they could just screw the team over. No, they wouldn't do that because, obviously, the other team, they already agreed to do the trade. and yes. But it's just, it makes no sense. It, I agree with you. It's dumb. You're making them put on the hat and hold up the jersey knowing that they're already being traded. So what is your reaction to the Sean Payton trade to the Broncos? Once again, Saints get the number 29 pick and they'll get a second round pick from Denver in 2024. That year, though, the Saints will give up their third round pick to Denver. Which is good because... As part of the Eagles trade for the Saints, they gave up their second round pick in 2020, uh, 2024, so they'll get one back, right? Just like they had to give up their first round pick this year, now they get another first round pick back. So, kind of everything evens out. Right now, 29% of you say great, Saints got picks. 25% say good but wanted more. 25% say relieved, it's finally over. And 21% say you're sad, you wish he never left. Let's get to some of the comments. JPK, the OD, says Dawson doesn't get a nickname yet. With the way your producers keep popping off like Spinal Tap drummers, he needs to be here at least three months, then we'll talk. JPK, the OD, is putting restrictions on your nickname, Dawson. The longer we delay whatever the fiasco is of creating this situation, <laughs> then that's, that's fine with me. <laughs> he also says at this point it kind of feels like getting a splinter pulled out after a few days. You're glad it's over. It was mildly annoying, but you were getting used to it and didn't really care one way or another. And he shared a whatever gift from the office. Krista says, move foodie to tomorrow and all will be forgiven. Yes, our foodie poll question of the day will be tomorrow. Not to worry. I'm relieved it's done. It's all I've heard about at work. And <laughs> Todd has done really well with trying not to talk about it when we're together. Thank God it's over. Todd says, bruh, that saga seemed never ending. Thank God it's over. John Paul, the Cajun daddy, says, now the question is, who is he going to take from the coaching staff, and when will he contact Mickey Loomis looking for a trade to acquire Taysom Hill? You know, that's been a big talking point. Is he going to go after Taysom Hill? I, I don't know. Part of me feels like because he's been separated from the team for a year, 
I feel like it's going to be a clean start. I, I feel like Sean, he's going from the NFC to the AFC. I don't see him poaching anyone from his staff or anyone on the Saints staff. I, I don't. Maybe maybe one of the co-defensive coordinators that have been interviewed for jobs in Atlanta and Carolina, right? Richard and um, Nielsen have both been interviewed for defensive coordinator jobs. Maybe he takes one of them because they were on staff when he was the head coach, right? So he has some familiarity there. He likes that defense. So so maybe you bring in one of those guys, but a couple of his other former offensive staffers have been fired. So maybe he brings Lombardi with them to Denver. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like it's going to be a fresh start, a new start for Sean, but I could be wrong. Well, Nielsen already took the Falcons DC job. So that's out. There we go. Uh, another interesting thing about that though, is that Loomis already said if guys are asking to take lateral moves, so essentially taking the same position with other franchises that he's not going to allow it and he has the power to do so as far as I know. So that's why now Nielsen, that was, he was a co-DC. Now he gets the full-time defense coordinator, which is also a bump and pay, right? So it's a move up. So he's allowing that. But if Sean wants to hire some of these guys, he's going to have to give them a title, you know? new titles that are higher ranking than what they currently are. So now also, I don't know if that works with the co-DC, who's now not the co-DC, if he, if that would then be considered lateral, if he gets that title, I don't know how all that works, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. The, the Taysom one is more interesting to me because, you know, everyone from everything that we've heard, Sean was like kind of the driving force behind all the Taysom he was, stuff. He was the biggest cheerleader in the building about Taysom. But at the same time, we saw last year they didn't, you know, stop using him or get get rid of him because Sean was gone. Now, part of that was contract related, but he was also like your best offensive player. So, would they trade him again? For me, like I love him and he's one of my guys that I've always felt really strongly about and I wish we would have given him more chances to play in a variety of different ways, especially this past season. Right. But he's 33 and, you know, it might be if 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 the Broncos really were willing, which again, we don't know any of that at this point. If they really were willing you to give back that third round pick or give you some other pick that's in, you know, day one or day two of the draft, I think you definitely have to at least listen and potentially get that contract off the books, which, again, the way it's structured is not as bad as people think it is because, you know, Loomis is a wizard with all that stuff. But correct. The contract is not that bad. You definitely have to talk if they want to talk about Taysom, in my opinion. Mm. I agree. I think you'd have to listen to it. Uh, once again, 33 years old, gadget player. You know, do you really want to bring that in, or would you rather spend your picks and your free agent dollars fixing the offensive line? I think, you know, I think there's a bigger priority. You feel like you can fix Russ. You already got some good wide receivers. They have some nice pieces there. Does Denver need Taysom Hill? I don't think they do. So then that kind of goes, okay, then he's a luxury. Well, are the Broncos in a position to trade, you know, you know, for a luxury player? Eh. Probably, especially considering the, the limited number of draft picks they have, I don't know if they're going to be willing to part with the ones that Correct. they do have. So. Correct. So... You know, we focus so much on Sean in Denver. What do we? How do we feel about this for the Saints? You know, you get a first rounder. You get a second rounder next year. So now you have a first round pick this year that you didn't have. And now you have a second round pick next year that you didn't have. 
So it fills a couple of holes. Aini's out of the AEFC. We'll discuss that next. What about the Saints? What is this for the Saints? And how can the Saints use this to their advantage? We'll talk about that next right here on the game. Game hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are some hosts that talk like they know everything, but you don't have to worry about our guy, RP3. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's because he never knows what he's talking about. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Back to the show in the know. RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. What is your reaction to the Sean Payton trade to the Broncos? 34% of you say great. Saints got picks. 29% say relief. Finally over. 20% of you say good, but wanted more. And 17% say you're just sad. Wish he never left. Ralph says, glad it's over, but wish we didn't give a third back. I keep hearing Payton will want to trade for Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. Trade what? Magic beans? Mardi Gras beads? A Walmart gift card? By the way, Wilson, when Payton, Denver is now draft capital poor. And he shared a gift of done and done, of course, of Ron Swanson. He also, Ralph says, every time I go through the self-checkout at Walmart, I realize I'm helping pay a part of Sean's salary. Does that make me part owner? Dawson, does that make him part owner? I'm not sure. But I can (laughs) certainly... I can certainly put him at ease. The Saints will not be trading Alvin Kamara to the Broncos. They do no. not have. I mean, unless they wanted to do some type of Javante Williams, like, but but I don't think that's really necessary. The Saints so. do have to have a come to baby Jesus meeting. Mickey has to have a meeting with Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael since they're coming back and going, hey, why did you do that to Alvin Kamara this past season? Yeah. Can we utilize him like he should be? Can we try that for 2023? Instead of trying to make him Latavius Murray, hold the phone. Maybe just kept Latavius Murray and let Alvin Kamara be, you know, Alvin Kamara. We're going to blend into footnotes in a minute here. Start talking about running backs. <laughs> they did a terrible job utilizing their running backs. They just did. B Rad on the Twitter says, I'm going with relieved and glad he went to the AFC. I hoped he would go to Houston because they have the 12th overall pick and still. Could have got additional picks on top of that, but I'm definitely glad it's over. Speaking of Houston, great hire by them. They're hiring D'Amico Ryans, a former captain, star linebacker for them. He was a hot name in coaching circles, defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Young coach, they're going to be able to rebuild with him. It's the perfect situation. You got a guy... When you got guys like J.J. Watt and others coming out sharing photos of them with D'Amico when they first came into the league, that's going to carry a lot of weight in that locker room. He's instantly got credibility as soon as he walks into that locker room. Instantly. Yeah, that feels to me like, uh, number one, I hope they give him enough time because Houston's been weird in the past few years about what they want to do. 
Uh, but also, it just feels like if, as long as they get quarterback right, which is, of course, easier said than done, they have a high pick. They can try and do something in the draft this year. Um, but, you know, it's kind of the Mike Vrabel model, right? A well-respected player who certainly knows what he's doing on the defensive side. Now, yep. with Vrabel, they haven't quite gotten quarterback right, and that's why maybe they haven't taken that next step in Tennessee. But as long as, again, if, if they go and they're able to get a guy like Bryce Young or something like that and it works out, or I think Stroud, there's going to be yeah. – whoever, Yeah, whoever it may be. I, I agree with you. You bring in a strong OC. <laughs> there's going to be nothing wrong with that Houston defense. I think in a few years, I think he'll have them in a really good spot. And – you're right about Tennessee. That's a good. That's a good comparable guy. That's going to have instant credibility, as well. And they build. They build that team around. And as, as long as they give D'Amico time, they should be fine. And look, Sean's going to have instant credibility when he goes into Denver, because he's Sean Payton. He's got a Super Bowl championship. He quarterback Drew Brees. He's going to have instant credibility. Um, but you're right. You, you alluded to it earlier in this hour because we spent the entire first hour talking about the Sean Payton trade, and we'll talk about some other topics moving forward on the rest of today's show. But you alluded to it. Russ has got some weird things about him that was off-putting to his teammates in Seattle, which is well-documented, and was off-putting to teammates in Denver. Not all of them, because some of them came to his defense at the end of the season. Sean's going to take care of that. You alluded to it. Because Sean's going to be the voice in the locker room. And that'll let Russ be the cheerleader, Right, but Russ won't have to do all the extra stuff because Sean's going to take care of that. Yeah, right. Right. There, there won't be any weird Russell Wilson moments to deal with. Sean will go. You just worry about throwing better passes. You know, you just worry about the game plan. You you pump them up before the game when we go out into the field. That's great, but I don't need you doing any of this extra stuff on a Tuesday. Like just. Just worry about quarterbacking. You alluded to that, and I think that's, that's going to make a big difference. You think there. Sean uh, forces Russ out of his uh, his office that's in the stadium that supposedly was a big problem last year? That's a weird thing, man. It's <laughs> a weird thing. It's like I remember the <clears throat> the issue they had towards the end in, in Pittsburgh with Ben having his own part of the locker room, and it was, you know, it, that's okay sometimes, right? But if the guy that has those privileges isn't putting in the work and the other guys go, hey, big fella, you're throwing us under the bus, you're not putting in the work, and you're getting special treatment, that ain't cool, right? That's you got It's a team game, man. It's a team game. And even though the quarterback may be special, things start going wrong, and that quarterback's part of the reason why things are going wrong. That special treatment is going to be a touchy subject. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. What's your reaction to the Sean Payton trade to the Denver Broncos? Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. Oh, we got a lot on tap. Going to be talking LSU. We're going to be talking Raging Cajuns. We're going to be talking New Orleans Pelicans. And, of course, the Sean Payton trade. That's all on deck right here on the game. Everything, everything, 
Everything gonna be alright this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The Sean Payton saga is come to an end for the Saints. Reports are he's heading to Denver. Mile high, here he comes. And he's going to be the man to fix Russell Wilson. That's what the Walmart heirs are hoping that Sean Payton can do because they spent a lot of money getting Russ to come to Denver to cook. And what he cooked was not good. Career low, 16 touchdown passes, a career high, 55 sacks. 55 sacks. Dangerous. Dangerous was not very dangerous. But they're committed, and they're bringing in a guy, offensive-minded head coach, long track record of success with Drew Brees, Hey, he was undersized as well, right? Russ is undersized. Different skill set. But Sean Payton is going to be coming in to essentially fix Russell Wilson. That's what it boils down to here. Because if you're Denver, you averaged a league low 16.9 points a game in 2022. You had one of the best defenses in the league. You got Judy, who's the other really good, like, number two wide receiver they have. It escapes me right now. Cortland Sutton. Thank you. Sutton, Judy on the outside. You can run the ball pretty well, right? Offensive line's got to get better with pass protection. But you got some pieces there in Denver. Now, do I think they have enough pieces, even if you fix Russell Wilson, to be a Super Bowl contender? No, I do not. Do I think Sean Payton can come in there, fix Russ, and make them a playoff team? Yes, I agree. Dawson and I agree on that. And that's going to have to be good enough for a little while until a couple things have to happen. Because here's the big challenge for Denver and Sean Payton. Patrick Mahomes is in his prime. Like he just now got to his prime. (laughs) okay Patrick Mahomes is in his prime that's not only in the same conference that's the same division Joe Burrow hasn't even reached his prime yet that's coming he's already MVP candidate and the Bengals went to the Super Bowl a year ago and nearly went this year Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the league and the Bills are one of the best teams in the AFC now they've underwhelmed in the playoffs they got close to what two years ago it was, right, when they went to the AFC Championship game. Sunshine, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson seems like a good fit. I'm not ready to get there yet, but that seems to be a pretty good fit down there in Jacksonville. You got Justin Herbert, who's one of the best young quarterbacks, already probably a top 10 quarterback in this league. They're getting a guy that's going to probably help him developing Kellen Moore as their new offensive coordinator. By the way, the Chargers are in the same division. It's not going to be easy. Like, 
I think the realistic expectation for Denver and Denver fans, and I know a few, being a playoff team is probably what should the expectation be for the next couple years. Now, maybe something happens once you get into the playoffs, right? They go on a run. But expecting just bringing in Sean Payton and this team being a Super Bowl contender, I think is unrealistic. Just because the AFC is so stacked, Dawson, it's just so stacked and all those guys are in their prime or about to be in their prime. Russ is not in his prime. He can still play, but is he on the same level as Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen? No. So what should the realistic expectations be for the Broncos? I think we're I think we got it. I think we're on it. I think it's got to be playoffs. playoffs. Now, a couple things to point out here. First of all, I fully agree and the way that the AFC has gotten seemingly gotten quarterbacks right and are in oh. place is really incredible because you take a look at the NFC. I mean, look, the entire South is looking right oh. now. Washington doesn't know what they're doing. Like To be fair, my commanders never know what they're doing. Yeah, fair. But continue. Right. So <laughs> And then you have Rodgers, you have Brady, like those are both in limp. Like the NFC has a ton of questions around who the guys are, and, and I don't know if there's that many teams outside of San Francisco and, of course, Philadelphia. Well, they don't, well San Francisco doesn't right, know they what don't their know quarterback either. I would say is. you feel good about their team moving forward, but yes. yeah. But so there's so many questions there, but the AFC kind of has it figured out. Now, like where do you go with that? And, again, that's why I kind of think it's interesting where Brady goes, where he fits in the puzzle, and I don't think he goes to the AFC at all for that reason. Like what do you – not only you mentioned all those guys, Mac Jones looks like he might be the guy. We'll see. They're going to get a new offense coordinator in there. They're bringing back Bill O'Brien. Miami was pretty good this year. Like there's, there's a lot showed of – flashes as well. You're right. And, and they believe in Mac Jones, and Bill O'Brien's job is going to be fixing Mac Jones after – the train wreck that those two coaches that they utilized on offense, Bill Belichick, a huge misstep there. But the AFC is absolutely stacked, Dawson. Not to mention, does Lamar Jackson stay? Now, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'd probably leave Baltimore and go to the NFC because the NFC is wide open. But that's a discussion for another day. Keep and hearing he, rumblings about Atlanta, by the way. Well, but also the franchise tag. There's been rumblings, and now they can use the exclusive, the non-exclusive. That'll matter. We'll talk Correct. about that when it happens, but... The other thing that's interesting to me from Sean Payne's perspective with Denver is, and we don't really have an idea of it, as far as I've heard, he hasn't really commented on it, it's what is his goal there and how long does he want to be there? Is he coming in with the idea to coach for three, four years while Russ is there and he wants to win a title in that time frame and then he's going to go back to his broadcasting gig or whatever else? Or is he settling in for like a second career stop that's going to be from now until he's done coaching the way he was with New Orleans, you know, there for a decade plus where he wants to rebuild. And I think we might get a look into that depending on how they kind of utilize their draft capital in the next couple of months, couple of seasons. Are they going to are they going to look to win past Russ or is this a situation where Sean is coming in and going like you said with the Rams model? We're going to go all in to win one title and we don't care what it costs us in the future or does Sean want to kind of build this and and rebuild the stability of the franchise? And don't forget who is his mentor? His mentor is Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells became a head coach and was the longtime head coach of the New York Giants where he won two Super Bowls. And then after that, he was a vagabond. Patriots, Jets, Cowboys. <clears throat> he went, once he got over that first job, it was, I'm not going to stay anywhere very long. 
don't forget, Sean was mentored, and one of the guys that he's always looked to is Bill Parcells. You're right. Does he go to Denver and fix Russ, and they're just a playoff team, and they have some success, and then he maybe decides to go back to the broadcast booth or could say, you know what, I want to go take this other job. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting. Look, he could go to Denver, and he could do like Andy Reid. Longtime coach in Philly, Andy got fired, parted ways, and then goes to Kansas City and has been there a long time, has had even more success, right? That, that could happen. We don't know. Or could he just go for a couple years and then go take another different job or go back to broadcasting? Like, part of me leans towards Sean, and I said this, and I, I don't mean this in a negative way. Sean loves himself from Sean. He just does. The guy's got an ego on him. Always has. Always has. He was notoriously difficult to deal with with the media early in his career with New Orleans. He got better. Um, He loves to take the little publicity tour like he did, appearing on Colin Cowherd and other places and promoting himself. He knows that game. He likes that game. Sean likes being revered as a genius. So, this is all about ego. If he can go to Denver and fix Russell Wilson, even if they don't win a Super Bowl, even if they don't make it to a conference championship game, let's say he goes there in three years, they're a wild card team every year, and they win a couple playoff games. That's a resounding success, right? Because he fixed Denver. They have not won a playoff game since they won the Super Bowl. We're going on nearly a decade. So if he can turn Denver around to being a playoff team and a winning playoff team, boom, success. Then he can go wherever he wants to. Fix Russ, make Denver a winner, he can go wherever he wants to. I just don't know what the motivation is. Like, I I just, because we don't know Sean enough, you're right. In three years, could he be like, eh, I'm tired again. I'm tired again. Because the the interesting thing about all of this and the thing that makes Saints fans sad is the Denver situation, take away the money, Dawson, is the Denver situation going to be better than what he had in New Orleans? Because in New Orleans, he could do whatever he wanted. At the end, I mean, the roster is maybe in a better place, you could argue. It, it, it But you could go both ways with that argument because the Saints' defense, it's kind of similar, right? Like the Saints' defense was in a pretty good spot. The offense had some questions. They were different questions. It was more quarterback-related, whereas in Denver. But I guess Denver still has quarterback questions. It's just they know who it is. They just don't know if he's the guy, whereas in New Orleans they didn't know who it was or if they were the guy. But he doesn't have any – it's not like – I mean, I guess in theory they could draft somebody in in next season and then let Russ sit the bench or whatever, just pay him. But obviously you can't win that way. We know – history tells us when you're dedicating a large portion of the cap to your quarterback – he better be the guy. Like, he better be Mahomes. If he's not, look at all the guys who have played in, even in championship games. If it's not Brady or Mahomes, it's guys on rookie contracts. It's Joe Burrow. It's those It's those Correct. types of players. It's Jalen Hurts. It's so Russell, for example, once they had to pay him in Seattle, that window kind of closed because they didn't have enough money to go around to keep the defense around. And even, even in Green Bay, like, yeah, they've won a lot of games, but they haven't gotten back to where they wanted to get. And 
You could argue a lot of that is because they didn't have the necessary capital to go out and improve his receiving core, or they didn't make the right decisions, whichever you want to go there with That's some fair. of the drafting things they did. That's fair. So, yeah, like he doesn't have a choice with Russ. It's it's Russ or not, and he knew that when he took the job, so that tells me he thinks he's got it. And I will say I understand the Parcells, you know, analogy because that is who he, you know, came up under, but I will say I feel like Sean's a guy who is willing to take the time to build something right, and it doesn't feel like he would be the guy to come in. Now, I guess we haven't seen him have a chance to, but he he stayed in New Orleans through some opportunities where, you know, after the Bounty Gate stuff, he could have left. When the 7-9 and nine seasons were happening, he could have left. He could have tried to do something else, and he stuck through that. So I would imagine that he's going to try to fix this in Denver. Unless, again, he's coming in and we don't know what those conversations are like, but maybe he told them, yeah, guys, like, I'm here for three years. Let's do everything we can to win a title. And maybe the Walmart family said, that's all we want. But maybe he said, yeah, no, I'm settling back down. The other weird thing is, like, he's, you know, a lot of people talked about all the lifestyle he wanted to live and all this stuff about the West Coast and everything like that. And then he went to Denver. So, well, he can still live on the West Coast and just rent an apartment in Denver, right? Right. During right. the season. So, uh, you can still, you can still do both, right? Uh, especially, I'm sure. The Walmart family will give him a private jet to, to take care of him to go home, you know. But but yeah, it's we don't know what the real com we we never know what the real conversation is, right? We never know that. We never know. But it is interesting that this has happened. Once again, our poll question of the day. We asked you, what is your reaction to the Sean Payton trade to the Broncos? Right now, 34% of you say, great, Saints got picks. 28% of you say, relieved, it's finally over. 21% say, sad, wish he never left. 17% say, good, but wanted more. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout when we return. New Orleans Pelicans were in action last night, and it didn't go well. We'll talk about that next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer. But we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We were going to spend this segment talking about the New Orleans Pelicans and what they did last night. They lost their ninth straight game. 122 to 113 to the Denver Nuggets. They now fall to 26 and 26 overall. They're now a 500 ball club. They did get double digit scoring from all five starters, including 21 points from Herb Jones and 21 points from CJ McCullum. And they even got 13 points off the bench from Larry Nance Jr., but it wasn't enough as Jokic had 26 and 15 assists and uh, I don't know, 18 rebounds. <laughs> My man had a triple-double, the two-time league MVP, but Murray was just an assassin, 32 points. So the Pellies fall yet again, their ninth straight loss. 
as they look to get on track. But breaking news happening during the actual timeout. Tom Brady announces with a video from a lovely beach resort, it appears, through Pro Football Focus, that he is retired. Tom Brady, the man considered to be the GOAT, has officially retired, and he said this time it's for real. This time it's going to take. So Tom Brady is going to be one of those guys that's now off the table for teams if they're looking for a veteran quarterback. He's played longer than anyone else. He has more Super Bowls than anyone else. He has all the passing records that are known to mankind. They're all his. First ballot Hall of Famer, the guy known as the GOAT, is hanging it up. Tom Brady has officially retired. This was announced literally five minutes ago in a video posted to Pro Football Focus, which, of course, Tom has a a working relationship with there. And now he'll go and make hundreds of millions of dollars in the broadcast booth. Yeah, and I think actually I think it was originally posted to his own Twitter, and then I think everyone else is grabbing it too. But yeah, no, it's it's surprising to me. And you know, we just kind of talked about it in the break a little bit. Um, I felt like he was getting set to run it back one more time, and of course, everything that went down last year with the retirement and then coming back, and then of course his marriage went downhill, Ooh. and a lot of it's you know from all the reports. Again, we don't know, but it sounded like it was because he was playing again, and so, you know, it felt like at this point, well, why wouldn't he play if, if that's all, you know, resolved and everything and, and not a thing anymore? So I certainly thought he was coming back. But no, kind of a sad day for me. I'm a Brady fan. A lot of people give me, give me stuff about that because I'm a Saints fan. But I just respected what he did, and I do think he's the GOAT. I think it's incredible. And um, so, yeah, I, I really thought he was going to run it back. Maybe with San Francisco. If I, felt, I felt like if all else failed, he'd just go back to Tampa for one more year. But it just felt like he didn't want to go out the way he did with how dysfunctional that unit was this year. But um, he is the greatest of all time, and it does sound like this is for good. Now, maybe we have our, our second iteration of Brett Favre here because <laughs> last year's sounded – it didn't sound like a, I'm probably yeah. retiring. Uh-huh. It sounded pretty set in stone, and then he didn't. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, it does – it feels like this is a little bit different. Yeah. It feels like, not to speculate, but there's a great article by ESPN about a month ago, right before their playoff game, that kind of did a timeline of the whole season, right? And it was a trying season. You know, he retires, then decides not to retire. That played a a significant role, as we found out, on his marriage. And things were not right with the team, right? Uh, Bruce Arians decides to retire. They go with someone on staff to be the head coach. There's some issues there. There was issues with Tom not being at camp, not being at practice, I mean, the man essentially gave up his marriage to Giselle to be on a losing Tampa Bay team that got smoked in the division, you know, in the wild card round. I don't think I would have done that. (laughs) I'm just saying. But, you know, I also think even though he can still play at a high level, Still a top ten quarterback, even at his age. He still he re, he you know reset the records for uh, completion attempts and completions, right? That he set the year prior. It's a grind. 
And yeah, the marriage didn't work out and it dissolved. And a big driving force, as we know, was his career and continuing to play. But he also has kids, right? Like, when you go through something like that in your personal life, it also has an immense impact on the kids. Maybe that's more of a driving force than whether or not he can play, because I still think he could play. He probably could play for another year. Is that worth what it does to the kids? Right? That probably is a driving force as well. Uh, Definitely something that's going to play a role. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Paul. Paul, good morning. What's on your mind? Hey, bro, how's it going? I want to speak on this Tom Brady thing, you know. You know, greatness, greatness retired, you know. And, you know, much of it, he's been a thorn in my and pain to me. It's still less sad to see him go, even though I wish he'd have retired 20 years ago. But greatness retired. You know, he, he's not the GOAT. He's not the GOAT. I want to fix that. He ain't the GOAT. You know, he's a loaf. But... He retired. It's going to be sad to see him go a little bit. You know, when greatness is gone, it ain't coming back. I think the guy understood what his ex-wife said. I think he listened that, you know, like, you know, he saw he lost, I think, missing his family. I think that made a part. Not just this year didn't go by, by the way he wanted it. I think he's going to get his family. I think he's going to be with his family. You know, he, he sees his time, what his lady was telling him at the time. So I think he's making the right move, and he's going to ride in the sunset. He's going to be one of the greatest of all time and all of that, you know. Sean Payton going to Denver, uh, yeah, that hurts as a Saints fan, but, you know, he ain't going to the enemy. But, you know, I don't wish him well. I don't wish him well. Don't wish him well at this moment. That's a lot of pain for me. But I call it you and say, I'm glad Tom Brady finally gone. I just really did it 20 years ago, but great is at his time. <laughs> I appreciate the phone call, Paul. Later. Have a great day, bud. Everyone wants to try to ride off into the sunset as a champion, right? Brady had that chance. He brought it back another year and another year. It never usually ends up the way you want it to. It, it, it just never does. You know, when you think about it, Elway was able to do it and then bring it back and do it again at the tail end of his career. Payton was able to do it with a team that was led by its defense because Payton couldn't throw a 10-yard out route anymore. Right? His arm was – he was gone. It was done. They had to go to Brock Osweiler that year. And then Brock Tober got hurt, and they had to go back to Payton, Right? But he was able to hold the Lombardi and be done. Drew Brees, I'm a firm believer of this. If they go to the Super Bowl, I think they would have won that Super Bowl. I'm talking about the Nolo no-call year. I think Brees would have retired. And I think he wanted to. And I think he held on for a couple more years and then the body started breaking down. You have... Something in your head that you want to do. But father time or just life in general isn't that way. And Tom's going to go out with a miserable season and a playoff loss for a losing team. 
That's not what he was scripting, I can guarantee you. But Tom Brady, that's the breaking news, has announced that he is retired after it what it seems like uh, 38 seasons in the NFL. We got to take a timeout. When we return, our first guest of the day, Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog, will join us to talk all things LSU for the Tigers Midweek Report. That's up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. Tom Brady may be retiring, but you know who's not retiring from his lifestyle? A man who is a television and movie extra award-winning columnist and a man who isn't afraid to ask the salty questions in a post-game press conference (laughs) the mad dog ron higgins ron good morning brother how are you salty questions you know i thought i was pretty correct (laughs) i I mean i didn't say i i've never said matt why is your team so crappy i've never said that um or Matt, why why do you have a team that can't shoot? I've never said that, but you know. Well, you should. You should. You should. Okay, coach. Well, first question. But but I'll be. You know, I kind of you know, I kind of put that all aside for a couple of days and and and, and went and did a uh, a TV series shoot yesterday with Amy Schumer in New Orleans, which was really nice. And uh, and now it's back to the real world, watching really bad LSU basketball tonight, but. <laughs> Then the women play tomorrow night, which is much better. So there you go. I've got to talk, I've got to tell Ravens listeners this: this man is so devoted to his job on a a nice Saturday afternoon where he could have done anything the world he wanted to. He came to the Pete Marriott Assembly Center to watch a stinking bad basketball game between the worst team in the Big Twelve and the worst team in the SEC and the Battle of Bad. <laughs> oh. I was sitting, I was sitting right behind Ron, and I just, I love watching Higgins watch a game and watch a bad game because you just see him and he just turns around and he goes, "What is for real?" <laughs> he just is like this. This is what's going on. It just, it's, just it's, it's like watching forty minutes of dumb. I mean, forty instead of forty it. minutes of hell by Nolan Richardson, it's forty minutes. Of yeah, dumb. I mean, I mean, like I covered Nolan Richardson. I cover those teams. Those teams were the, the performance of hell was pleasant to watch. Uh, those teams could shoot. Those teams could defend. You had a coach who was like into the game. It's like going to a morgue watching LSU men's game. The team, the team is playing hard, but it's not very good. Okay, I'm not saying they'll, then they'll try. They give four. Like Ron, that's a good point because people ask me. I go look. They give forth effort. It's not an effort thing. It's an execution thing. And look, Saturday's game is a perfect example. Look, it was a game at times I found entertaining because it was bad basketball between two bad teams. But they were trying really hard. But it's simple things that they don't do right. Like defending a guy that's wide open on the wing. That's all Texas Tech did. 
Those three-pointers were not contested three-point shots, Ron. They were just open, and they just kicked it out, and they kept doing it, and LSU didn't have a guy circle over there to even put a hand up to try to defend the wide-open three-point shot. And it's simple stuff like that they don't do. Let a guy run to the corner and hold his hand up like he was hailing a cab. <laughs> it's true. And like I'm waiting for y'all come back around to me. I'll be I'll be here for you. Okay, thank you. Deposit right deep corner, bing three corner. Bing. Uh, it's like they didn't read a scout report. I mean, if you if just read a bio, uh, the, the the guy who hit five or six threes is a North Carolina transfer who was their the Tar Heels' best shooter on the team. That's a freshman two years, two three years ago, three pointer. He didn't get worse. Like, do y'all even read a scouting report? And, uh, and the other thing what? that stands out, Ron, that they don't do, and look, it was my first time watching them in person. I've seen them on TV a little bit, but you do get a different perspective being there in person because of the angle that you they get to watch worse. the game. Right. <laughs> they 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 could have easily won this game. But then they go eight-plus minutes in the last nine minutes of the game without making a field goal, and a lot of those possessions – were like quick shot, bad shot selection possessions. And just like that, Texas Tech just takes over and it's ball game. It's just they do they don't do the little things the right the right way. LSU, the best way to describe their team is they don't do anything very well for very long. It's basically LSU's team this year. We don't do anything very well for very long. Uh and it, 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 honestly, I think I've said this before. Until the NCAA gives a ruling, it's not going to get any better. Yeah, the big what their probation is right, so, and, and the and the big worry if you're an LSU men's basketball fan is okay. This is feels like it's starting to be a lost season, right? So you're, you're going to struggle to be even a 500 ball club the way this team plays. Okay, but it's a transition year, and you expect good things to come. Well, what if the NCAA comes down with a punishment that restricts scholarships or puts them on postseason ban for a year? Like then, then it's going to just be extended for another year of bad basketball because they're not going to have exactly. a choice. And they need to just come out and give them the probation. Say, this is what we're doing. Just please just do it. Let's let them twist in the wind. Yeah. Uh, I'm just happy I get to go watch the women's team. I'm happy I got. I'm happy I'll, I'll watch. I get to watch a coach with a pulse. Uh, I wish Matt would get mad. I really do. I'm, I understand the coach. You know, you believe by example or whatever if you want to, and he's calm. But there's times where he should argue calls, okay? And he has a right to do that. Sometimes I think the coaches of really bad teams. Don't think it's they have a right to argue anything about a, a, a foul call or something. Uh, I would love to see him get a technical. We'd, we'd like live giving Mister Rogers a, a tea, tea on Mister Rogers, and get get him fired up and see how the team reacts to that too. Right, yeah, that's the other I mean, part of that I mean, is uh, you, you want to see how your team reacts to you getting fired up. You know, I think there's a point this year. People don't even care about this team anymore. They're, they're like they've blown them off. You're bad. We know you're bad. We feel sorry for the coach, but. We have a women's team that's kicking butt, and baseball opens in two or three weeks, and we're going to kick butt in that. So, uh, and we're loading football. So, 
Yeah, okay. Well, let's talk okay. about the women's basketball team because they get a hard-fought win over Tennessee, a, a good Tennessee team. They're not ranked, but they look like they're going to be an NCAA tournament team and possibly a Sweet 16 team. And they set the attendance record for the new configuration there in the PMAC on Monday night. You know, I, I look ahead to this team, and there's only one other undefeated team in the country, and that, of course, is Dawn Staley's defending national champion, South Carolina Gamecocks. That game will be played on Super Bowl Sunday, Ron. LSU at South Carolina. They're the defending champs, but I also look at their schedule. South Carolina has already defeated number two ranked Stanford. They've already defeated number seven ranked Maryland. They've already defeated a top 25 ranked UCLA team. And Sunday, they go play at UConn, the standard of women's basketball. How much is South Carolina's schedule, in particular its non-conference schedule, going to help them in their matchup against LSU a week from Sunday? Well, I think it will help because they, you know, uh, this is what they do. They play ranked teams. And when Kim Mulkey set this schedule up last year, she didn't have all these transfers in the fold yet. So she set up a schedule that she thought could build, this team could build confidence and win in. So they haven't played a ranked team, non-conference or on-conference yet. Uh, Tennessee wasn't ranked. They probably should have been. Uh, they haven't played anybody yet. And so, I mean, there's that thought that, you know, South Carolina is much better prepared. Uh, and they probably are. Uh, but I know LSU likes – LSU will play hard. They will play fast. They will play loose and see what happens. But, yeah, it does help to play those teams. And, and I'd, I'd be surprised next year if there's not – maybe three three ranked teams in non-conference you, you play because LSU will – LSU will be even better next year uh, in women's basketball. Believe it or not, they they got two tremendous recruits coming in. The thing that this, I think this team, it lacks. In it, and this is no. This is no knock on Alexis Morris, who was fabulous on the night, uh, senior uh, point guard who's really not a point guard. Uh, who basically won that game that night. She scored 30, 31 points, uh, played under control for the most part. Uh, LSU doesn't have ball handlers who can handle a press. And you saw that, I mean, the other night. They kind of went into a panic. I mean, they knew Tennessee was going to press. Tennessee pressed against UConn, so they knew it was going to happen. And, and they turned the ball over a bunch in the second half. It made it a little bit too close than it should have been. That's what about, The only thing this team lacks this year is that. And I think that that'll be remedied next year. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I watched two different games. I watched Texas Tech. I watched a pair of 78, yeah, 76, 68 games this past weekend. The men lost by that. The women won by that on Monday. And what you saw on Monday was a well-coached women's team. You saw a, 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 a Tennessee plays goes about 10 deep. LSU goes about seven or eight deep. LSU's bench played great. Uh, LSU played tough. Uh, other people stepped up when Angel Reese was uh, kind of getting hammered in the first half. And you know, I thought I thought Angel Reese in that game by day. I'm not saying coaches for the first half, but I think she was conserving her fouls. Uh, I didn't see the 100 effort, and I don't think she was coasting. I just think she she wanted to get the second half into the second half with no foul trouble. And she had one foul in the second half. And I think that at the halftime, she said, okay, 
it's time to start playing. I only have one foul. I'm good. Uh, and she went out and, and, and tore him up the second half. Uh, 18 points, 17 rebounds. I think she had 14 points in the second half and 13 rebounds. So uh, this is a, it's a well-coached team. It's a team with a coach that, that they've played hard for because she plays with emotion. The coaches with emotion. The fans love this team. This crowd loves this team. Uh, and this team's going to have great. It's going to have great crowds forever and ever, as long as Mulkey is here and, and they're playing. And then she's recruiting well. They're going to have that. Uh, and now, and, and now they got baseball starting in three weeks, and they're they're so loaded. Uh, if they lose more than fifteen games, it should be a crime. Honest to God, they're that loaded. It's 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 the most loaded team I've ever seen LSU have. Wow, they're so loaded. They're they're deep on, on. I mean, yeah, they don't have a second baseman. They have four of them out there. Ballinford, four. Uh, the catchers go three deep. Almost everywhere you look is like <laughs> they're deep. Their pitching's deep, but now they got to go prove it. But they you know they have they have great guys back. The best player in college baseball, Dylan Cruz. Uh, they got the best first baseman in college baseball. Uh, Trey Morgan, who hopefully won't have to be a hockey goalie this year very much, when because LSU has actual infielders who can reach first base for a throw. Uh, so that's a plus, and then because you got spring football, so I think men's basketball is in a good spot because you know what, nobody cares about them anymore. We know well, you're bad. Well, you know what, Bud, we care about you, and we know that you're good. So that's all that matters. What a that's a, such a professional segue to getting out of this thing. That's really good. That's why that's why you work so hard. I, I'm sure at night when you were driving around, like, what can I segue out of out of stuff with? And you just kind of talk to yourself, driving around with Lafayette. <laughs> Mad dog, a number of love for you, brother. Enjoy your week, bud. Come back soon, Raymond, to, to the Assembly Center. Let's see what kind of women's game they got let. Yeah. I know you'll be there for some for baseball. Pop in on baseball. Be, oh, be open at night. I'll be there at, at, at Alex Box. You can count on that. Baseball's kind of like become the sport of the state in a lot of ways, besides football. I mean, you know, I mean, the Raging Cajuns are always feisty and good. I mean, all the in-state teams are pretty good. It's a pretty good baseball state. That it is, brother. That it is. I'll talk to you next week. All right. See you. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. King cake season is here, and break rooms are being filled with those delicious sugar-coated pastries. That is so sweet. Just don't be the guy or gal who gets the plastic baby and lies about it. Come on. Come on, really. Step up and do the right thing, cheapskate, and buy the next cake. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It has been a jam-packed morning. Been reacting a lot to Sean Payton being traded to the Denver Broncos. We touched on the New Orleans Pelicans losing their ninth straight game after losing 122 to 113 last night to the Denver Nuggets. And it's National Signing Day, and we didn't expect a lot of activity, but the Raging Cajuns already have more than a few players in. First up was Glenn Brown. 
He's originally from Laplace, Louisiana, defensive back, but he played at Southern University, so he's transferring in. And they're going to get a former Jaguar starter to come in there to help shore up the secondary. But there's a couple other guys that have been added. Dawson, what can you tell us about the Raging Cajuns on National Signing Day? Yeah, so the Cajuns have also brought in a transfer from Southwest Baptist University, Antoine Bayless, from the, on the defensive line, originally from Mansfield, Texas. And then the one that the name we're going to work our best on here, Emiliano Soldavia. Sounds good to That's me. That's my best guess. That sounds amazing. Uh, from Cypress Ridge High School, he's a linebacker from Houston, Texas. So um, looks like they're kind of stacking up the defensive side with some uh, extra talent here. Extra talent. So adding a couple guys here on National Signing Day, they'll have a press conference later on today at 3.30. Uh, Coach Des will talk to the media about the uh, class being finalized today because it is today is the National Signing Day traditional period, and we have some players around local high schools that are making their decisions as well. Do you want to touch on this since we're talking Cajuns? Zion Hill Green. Uh, I've covered a lot of kids, high school, college, and pros in my 25 years of doing this. He has absolutely been one of the best ones I've ever dealt with. And a great guy, you can just tell, a great teammate. He announced yesterday on social media that his dreams of playing in the NFL will not happen. He tore his meniscus for a fifth time in his career from high school through college with the Raging Cajuns. It happened in the bowl game in the Independence Bowl. and uh, But he's positive. He's moving on to other things. And let me tell you, as much as I've dealt with Zion over the years from covering him at Catholic High of New Iberia to with the Raging Cajuns, He's going to be doing something, and he's going to do it well. It may not be on the football field as a player anymore, but I can guarantee you that young man is going to be handling his business and going to be doing something great. You can count on that. Sad news, but he's hopeful and he's positive that he's got something else going for him, and I would concur with that. So disappointing news, but a great career comes to an end. He was great at Catholic High, and he was great for the Raging Cajuns. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, we'll talk more Cajuns as we'll lead it off with Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That's next right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Sean Payton is headed to Denver as the Saints are trading their former head coach for a first-round pick this year and a second-round pick next year. Tom Brady announced his retirement. Maybe this time it will actually stick on social media earlier this morning. And it's National Signing Day. And even though the Cajuns, the Tigers, and the Cowboys got the majority of their class in during the early period in December, They've gone ahead and have locked up. The Cajuns have a few guys this morning, including 
a Southern University transfer. They've already got three guys that have been locked up for the National Signing Day period for today. This is usually your traditional National Signing Day period. To talk more about those Louisiana Raging Cajuns, in particular the men's basketball team and the women's basketball team, both who are red hot, is the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm having just a wonderful time. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, before we dive into basketball, I want to talk football, in particular Zion Hill Green. I've covered a lot of kids over the years. I covered Zion when he was in high school, when I worked down in New Iberia. Uh, He's always been one of the more impressive young men, and I say young men, uh, that I've ever had to deal with. Class act through and through. You know, he makes the announcement yesterday that his football playing career has come to an end. He tore his meniscus for a fifth time in the bowl game, so he won't be pursuing a career in the NFL. Uh, It's a sad end to a great career for a great young man. Uh, Just give me your thoughts about what Zion Hill Green meant to the Cajuns program. Well, (laughs) he was special. I mean, you know, not only was he a good football player, you know, he, he was a he was a class act throughout his career. You know, I've done this for a very long time. I've been around a ton of student athletes. Zion Hill Green's going to go down as one of my favorite student athletes that I've ever covered. Um, I just, I can't say enough about the guy. You know, he's, uh, uh, you just said it, you know, he's a class act. And, uh, you know, it, to, Look, let me tell you something. I tore my meniscus five times, and, and I ripped open my shoulder like he did a couple of times. Trust me, I wouldn't have stuck around for six years playing football. I can guarantee you that. Um, but, you know, he showed, um, you know, I think a lot of bravery by continue, continuing to come back, and he proved a lot to uh, to a lot of people about perseverance. And, you know, I got nothing but mad respect and love for the kid. And I feel the same way. I, I, I echo that sentiment. And he's just one of those guys and a great foundation piece and a, a great leader. Quiet guy, right? Uh, he was not never the most boisterous player, but uh, he was, you know, in that locker room and with those players and with those coaches is one of those guys that always you could respect, commanded respect and uh, wish him nothing but the best moving on to the next chapter in his life, which I know he will succeed in as well. All right, let's talk about the basketball teams because both of them are doing really well. The women's team, Gary Broadhead's teams, always typically, Jay, they always play better when the calendar turns to about middle of January, don't they? That's what they always do. They always play better in January and then February. He he builds his teams that way. And even with Lene Whedon having to miss games here due to injuries, they're still finding ways to win games and they appear to really have turned a corner. I I don't think this is a typical Raging Cajun women's basketball team. Um, you know, I think what you say has merit, but this is a team that after the first four games of the year, I didn't know that they'd win ten games this year. I mean, you know, they couldn't shoot. They couldn't shoot thirty percent. They they couldn't score uh, more than forty five points. They were just abysmal offensively. Um, their defense helped to keep them in games. 
but both sides, the offense and the defense, have, have improved exponentially. Um, you know, offensively, if you look at just their conference stats, they're respectable as far as shooting the basketball is concerned. They're still not great, okay? But they're respectable at, at, at any rate. And, of course, Gary makes his bones with the, with the defense. I mean, and, and this team has gotten so much better on that side as well. You know, if you would have told me back in, you know, late November that this team would be challenging for a conference championship as the calendar turns to February, well, however money, however much money I'd have had in my wallet, and I never carry cash, but <laughs> however much I had, you could have had, you could have gotten from me on a bet because there's no way that I would have thought that was going to happen. This is, this is just a tremendous job by Gary and his staff and by the young women that have bought, brought, uh, that have bought in. Yeah, and uh, credit the staff and credit the players because they've bought in. And, and look, they, they're grinders, right? They, 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 gr- they grind oh. out these wins. Uh, but I've always felt like that kind of just always makes you better prepared. If, if you can figure out ways to win games, even when you're not playing your best ugly wins, that kind of builds you right for for conference tournament time, and it feels that way again. For the men, I you look when you're down 19 points at half, and you're able to come back and put together a dominant second half performance and win the game like they did. I, it's hard not to be impressed with what we saw from Bob Marlin's squad Saturday night in the Cajun Dome. Yeah, it was pretty. Um, it was pretty special. And at the same time, you know, Ray, we've been talking for weeks now about this Cajun basketball team, and I've been telling everybody about the kind of chemistry that this team has. And, you know, I can guarantee you, when they went into the locker room at halftime, these guys weren't important, but weren't pointing fingers at each other. And, in fact, a friend of mine who, uh, who really follows Cajun basketball said that he noticed when they left the court by their body language that they weren't – they weren't defeated by any stretch of the imagination. This team is special. It's got special chemistry. It's got some very good talent. And I think it. Uh, I think they proved something uh, in the game against Georgia Southern that you can never count this team out uh, and save your comments for 40 minutes because at the end of 20, they could make a fool out of you. They're so deep, right? And, and we, you and I have talked about this, but – when you look at this team, and I talked about it with with Coach Marlin yesterday, was they have a team constructed in a way, Jay, where if one guy's having an off night, they don't have one guy that can step up and fill that void. They have two, three, four different guys that can step up. And, man, that is something not many teams, not only in the Sun Belt Conference, don't have. That's not That's something that many teams, even in larger conferences, don't have that ability to have three or four other guys step up and lead the way when it comes to the offensive side of things? Well, you know, all you got to do is go back to Thursday. You know, Jordan Brown didn't play. Right. And uh, and, the, and the Cajuns still go out and deliver a haymaker to, to, to Troy early. You had other guys in the starting lineup that stepped up. Kobe Julian played his best game of the year. Uh, and, you know, and before you know it, they've got another double-digit win. No, you're right. I mean, this team, this team has got good depth, and I think this team has got great confidence in each other, knowing that if one of their guys can't get it done for whatever reason, 
there's somebody there that's going to. And I think they go into the game every every time with that attitude. Okay, if I go out and I'm having a bad night, somebody's got my back. And they believe that, and they've shown it. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, let's look ahead to this week. They're going to have Texas State, uh, the two-time champs, who they were able to beat on the road in San Marcos by nine. That was a good game. That will be tomorrow night inside the Cajun Dome. And then, of course, Marshall, uh, a very good thundering herd team, comes in for senior night on Saturday. Uh, what do you make of these two matchups, Jay? Well, you know, first of all, Texas State. Um, you know, you played them just, uh, you know, what, a week and a half ago. Um you know, the question for Texas State is, is Mason Harrell going to play? Because he has not played uh, since he injured those ribs in the game before uh, the first meeting between the two teams. He's a difference maker. And while the Cajuns have got that talent to where when when they falter, other guys step up, I, I don't know that Texas State has that. Harrell makes them so much better, and it's going to be a much different game if he plays. Even if he doesn't, you know, Texas State is really good at going out and, and making it ugly uh, and, and slowing the pace down, and they're going to find a way to keep it close. Um, it's never easy to play those guys, although the Cajuns have had great success against them. Um, it's never easy. And then Saturday, you've got maybe the most talented starting five in the league coming in. Um, because Marshall's first five are scary. Uh, Tavion Kinsey uh, is Jordan Brown's biggest uh, competition for player of the year. He's averaging more than 20 a game, and he's averaging four or five assists a game. And he's not a great outside shooter. He's shooting about 30% from three. But they got two other guys who are deadly from three-point range. They got a seven-foot freshman in the middle that's a whole lot better than they thought he was going to be. You know, Marshall's issue is they basically play six guys. It's kind of like playing ULM. Um, but the six guys they've got are, are very, very talented. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a very tough test for the Cajuns. Um, I'm going to be interested. You know, Marshall and ULM, because of their lack of depth, are teams you want to play on Saturday, all right? And, and the Cajuns are getting Marshall on a Saturday, and I think – uh, I think that's a, a little bit of an advantage. And, of course, you get them at home, and that's a little bit of an advantage. You know, when they play ULM next time, it'll be on a Thursday. And, that's you know, that can be a little scary if you look at what ULM has done. But this Marshall team's really good. And um, it, could be, uh, it could be something special at the Cajun Dome. Uh, on, you know, this reminds me, Ray, of the anticipation – of when the Cajuns were really good and Western Kentucky was coming to town. Ooh. That's kind of what this reminds me of. Uh, because it's a, it's really a three-way race in the league right now. But, man, this is a lucky Look, I, I, I can't say it enough. This Marshall team's really good. Jay, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy the calls this week on Thursday and Saturday night, brother. And we'll talk to you next week, bud. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love-
love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day on this chilly February 1st. Typically, our poll questions on a Wednesday are all about foodie poll questions. But no, we're pushing the foodie poll question to tomorrow because today it's all about the Sean Payton news that came out yesterday that he is being traded to the Denver Broncos. The Saints will get a first-round pick in return this year. That's number 29. They'll get a second-round draft pick from the Broncos in 2024. Remember, they don't have a first-rounder this year, the Saints, and they didn't have a second-rounder next year. So that helps fill that void for the Saints. Now they have to send a third-rounder back in 2024 to Denver to make the deal done. But Sean Payton's headed to the Mile High City to see if he can fix Russell Wilson and fix that offense, which was the league's worst averaging a mere 16.9 points per game. Russell coming off a season with a season low, 16 touchdown passes, and a career high, 55 sacks. So got to fix the offensive line, got to fix Russ. That'll be the things that Sean Payton will be tasked to do. And as for the Saints, hey man, they get a first-round pick. What could they use that on? More than likely knowing them, they'll use it on a lineman. It's what they typically do. I know everyone's clamoring for the Saints to use a draft pick on a quarterback, but uh, that's just not how they operate. They'll more than likely use it on the offense or defensive lineman or use it on a DB. Those are the positions they like using draft picks on. But they get a first-rounder back. They get the second-rounder next, next year. And the poll question of the day, what is your reaction to the Sean Payton trade to the Broncos? 30% of you say, great, Saints got picks. of you say good, but wanted more. 27% of you say relieved, it's finally all over. And 17% say sad, wish he had never left. And look, I get it. A lot of people feel that way. Jamie on Twitter says, Sean to Denver, cool. Tom leaves Tampa, let there be rejoicing. Tom saying this time he means it. Brady to 49ers confirmed. Remember, you heard it here first. If this pans out, Mr. the Third owes me a steak dinner, medium rare with mashed potatoes and gravy. It does feel like he's going to be gone, though. But, I mean, I thought Dawson and I talked about this earlier. It felt that San Francisco would have made the most sense. They're a Super Bowl contending team that is going to need a quarterback. Uh, you don't know, You don't even know if Trey Lance is going to be ready. We know Brock Purdy is not going to be ready now. Jimmy G's going to be unrestricted free agent, so I don't know, man. But it looks like he's finally stepping away. Salty Steve on Twitter says Saints trades away uh, trades always work for the other team. Ever hear the song She Got the Gold Mine, I Got the Shaft? 
Now, how do you fans enjoy Allen, Red Rifle, no running backs, no defensive tackles in about three to five years of ineptitude? Ouch. Ouch, he says. Darren says, now they got the picks plus more that they deserve for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson leaving last year. Yeah, they did not. They were not on the good end of that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson trade. That is for sure. So keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep leaving your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we will continue to share them throughout today's show. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Martin. Martin's been patiently waiting. Martin, what's on your mind, brother? Good morning, Mr. Little Dufo. What's up, bud? What's on your mind? Oh, what a glorious, glorious, beautiful morning it is. Not only do we not have to hear about the Sean Payton saga and so on, but just when the spotlight was being taken off of Tom Shady Brady, after that little tyrant he threw last week saying, if I would have knew what I'm doing right now, I tell y'all my answer, but we all know how Tom Brady do. The moment that the spotlight gets taken off of him, he has to get the soul. He has to get the spotlight right back on him. You know, like he always does. That's why he, he announced his retirement. Now, is he going to really retire? I don't know. He might go play for the Canadian Football League. He might go play for, I don't know, a World Cup team, a soccer or something. I don't know. XFL. Let's go, Martin. Let's go. XFL. XFL. You never know. He might be in talk with uh, Triple H or Vince McMahon, whoever runs that business now. I don't know. But it kind of sounds like my my good buddy Paul's kind of down on his love this morning. You know? I know he loves Sean Payton. I mean, and move on that subject. I got to say this. I got to agree with Matt Niguez said yesterday afternoon. With, you know, these Saints fans saying that Sean Payton owes them an apology or owes them an explanation why uh, he left New Orleans. Let me tell you something. Sean Payton owes New Orleans zero. Nothing. I mean, just like Matt Niguez said, he took a broken franchise that was out, that was in the dumps and led him to the promised land. Why does he have to say why he left New Orleans? You know, his time is done there. He spent 15 years, which the era of football we live in these days, you will, I mean, head coaches don't stay at uh, organizations that long. I mean, you can make the, uh, the exception for Mike Tomlin, you know, because – I mean, Pittsburgh don't go through head coaches. You know, that's just how yeah, they run. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, but the man gave his heart and soul to New Orleans. Saints fan, move on. B. Carmichael is still y'all OC. No, Sean Payton's not going to try and take him after he's seen what he was worth last season. But uh, it's all good. Now we can move on to baseball. And I know Paul's listening. Yankees ain't winning no World Series this year. I hate to be the bear of bad news. But thanks for taking my call and have a good one. Thank you, Martin. Always appreciate you and Paul bringing your conversations off the air into the air. Onto the air. Thank you. Thank you for that. Look, does Sean Payton owe Saints fans anything? No, not really. He doesn't have to. It would be nice if he did something. 
I, look, I, I think what bothers, troubles Saints fan, some of the fans, is the fact that, okay, this guy signed that big contract, and then what, two years later, decides to retire because he's burned out after Drew Brees retires. He took one year for him to be like, oh, I don't want to be here. And he still wants to coach. He just doesn't want to coach in New Orleans. Right? So, look, a, a fan is going to view it through the eyes, the lens of being a fan. That's our head coach. Why is he wanting to coach anywhere else? Right? So, it's an emotional reaction to him wanting to leave. I don't think he really owes because it's a business decision. So, he decided to retire. He decided he was burned out. He stepped away from the game for a year and realized, okay, I miss it. Same thing as mentor did by the way his mentor was also in the broadcast booth too if you remember if you're old enough to remember bill parcells so he's allowed to change his mind right he's allowed to do that so yeah i don't he doesn't owe new orleans anything i mean 15 years a lot of wins seven division championships nine playoff appearances three trips to the conference championship game one super bowl all right that's a great run it's a great run you wish he would have stayed. You wish he'd keep coaching for your team. But, hey, he's decided that he wants to coach and the New Orleans job isn't available, so he wants to go elsewhere. Well, what are you going to do about it, Dawson? Like, I mean, he, like, you know. He doesn't know New Orleans anything. Again, yeah, he took a franchise that probably would be in a different city if he didn't come through with Drew Brees. I mean, the Saints were, were left for dead, and he, he revived it, and he brought the city a championship. And, you know, I was thinking about it, too, the reason. He helped revive it. I, I just – I want to be clear there. Yeah, no, I mean, right, obviously, right. it wasn't. Yeah, it right. wasn't him. It, it wasn't all. It, it was a combination of things. It was a lot of things. It was uh, the, the Benson the, family. The Benson and family. The hard work of Mickey Loomis. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Drew Brees. A lot of those other players that we don't talk enough about. Uh, the way they drafted. It, it, it was. It was a team effort, right? But yeah, I, I do get what you're saying. Sorry. And just, no. And from another perspective, like I started thinking about the the comment that he was burned out last season, and I, I thought about the progression of his career. Think about when his head ho- coaching career started, and you get to the Super Bowl season, and a few years after, and the Bounty Gate happens, and Sean took a year, not by his choice, but took a year when he was suspended and got to step away. And I was thinking about that the other day, you know, I mean, that's, it was about the midway point, right? He comes back after that and they kind of have that revitalization. It's about so, the midway point again. Yeah. You know, there's a chance he would have left at that point or, or retired or something like that, but he had a year off, you know, in that situation. And I guess he went back through it seven years later and then he kind of wanted to take a break again. I don't think he took a break, which people thought, you know, oh, he, he knew the Saints roster was in trouble. So he stepped back and tried to, I mean, look, he's going to Denver which is nowhere near a, a sure thing. So I don't think he had this conspiracy to step away when the Saints were going to fall apart. I think he wanted to take a break and kind of, you know, take a step back, and he did, and then he decided he wanted to come back. So I, I don't have any ill will towards him, and I actually wish him well in Denver. I'm glad it's Denver, a place that, you know, is not a direct competitor. And There you go. I can be happy for his success if that's what happens. He's in the AFC season. It's a completely different conference, right? So it's not like he took the Carolina job. If we would have done that, they'd be in a different discussion today. <laughs> It'd be a wildly different discussion. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk more about the Sean Payton trade with Andrew Juge of the Saints Half Hour podcast. He's going to join us next right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. They give the Camara. Breaks through. Spins at the two. Into the end zone. Touchdown! 
Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Ah, the Saints saga with Sean Payton has finally come to an end. Thankfully, thankfully. To discuss it is the man who's the co-host, one of 17 different ones for the Saints Half Hour podcast. Andrew Juge joins us now. Andrew, good morning. How are you today? I'm good. I feel like 17 might be a slight exaggeration. We have 16, Raymond. <laughs> I know, I know. All right. Give me your initial reaction of this trade. The Saints get the number 29 overall pick this year. They get a second rounder next year. They have to send a third back to Denver in 2024. But that's how the deal go goes down. What do you make of what the Saints did and what they got? Yeah, I think there's a number of Saints fans that were upset about this. Uh, and, and I was surprised to see that, honestly. I think maybe some were expecting the full John Gruden compensation, which was two first, two seconds. Um, but I, I feel like this is a tremendous return. I, I'm Honestly, as a Saints fan, I'm ecstatic about it. And uh, for a couple of reasons, I think, first of all, the hope all along was in an ideal scenario, you send Sean Payton to the AFC, get him out of the NFC, particularly the NFC South. I was really leery of a scenario where he would go to the Panthers. So very happy to see him go to the AFC. And, you know, the comp, a first round pick plus was kind of all along what I was hoping to see. And, and they got that. So kudos to Mickey Loomis for making that happen. I, I think on top of that, when you look at Denver, who it seemed like they were all in on Jim Harbaugh. They tried a couple times. They were stubborn about it. That doesn't work out. They kind of shifted D'Amico Ryans. Somehow D'Amico Ryans picks the Texans over the Broncos, <laughs> which was stunning to me. But uh, And so it felt like they maybe settled for Sean Payton a little bit. And to get that kind of return when he was maybe only the third choice, and, and you know Dan Quinn was in the mix too, so maybe the fourth choice for the Broncos – um that's a big deal to get a return like that uh, the other thing about it that i look at is if he doesn't get this job there's a very real possibility that he's going back to fox and so this is hanging over mickey loomis's head for a year and you and i both know raymond that the second dennis allen was starting to lose games in 2023 that narrative of is Sean Payton coming? Is Dennis Allen going to get fired? And is Sean Payton coming back to the Saints? We were going to have to put up with that for potentially an entire season. And I know Mickey Loomis didn't want that. And so I I'm just relieved that we don't have to go through that talking point for a whole year. It's done. It's dusted. We don't have to do this whole song and dance next offseason. Uh, Sean Payton is now in the AFC. He's a coach of the Denver Broncos. We can all move on. And, uh, the Saints get a first-round pick. I think some fans, as you said, were thinking more that they were going to get more. You mentioned Gruden. Uh, you know, to make that deal done, Tampa had to give up two firsts and two seconds over a three-year span. But Parcells, when he was traded to the Patriots, to the Jets, that was four picks, a third, a fourth, a second, and a first. And then Belichick was traded to the Jets, uh, from the Jets to the Patriots. That cost them three picks including a first, a fourth, and a seventh. So it's not necessarily completely that far off with what happened with the two Bills, right? It's a little bit closer to that. I was surprised that the Saints have to give a third rounder, though, back to Denver. That was the part I was like, really? 
I was like, that okay, uh, you know, in 2024. But that was a little intriguing to me that the Saints are actually giving up a pick to trade their coach away. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I approve of that move. And the reason why is, you know, if, if you look at the comp calculator of how, like, the picks work out to, if you, if you gain a second and give up a third, depending on where that second gets slotted, it basically amounts to you getting a first and a third. Uh, that basically amounts to you gaining a third-round pick. I got you. And remember, now remember, the Saints didn't get – they don't have a second-round pick next year. Be, well, they do now, but they didn't because they that, that's part of the Philly trade. So I think the Saints felt like we would rather have a second-round pick and give up a third than just get a third back and not be able to pick in the second round. So that, that was a decision that Mickey Loomis made, and – uh, they'll get a little bit higher of a slotted player uh, based on the way they decided to do that. So, you know, it, it makes sense. And, yeah, look, I, I know that there's kind of some initial, like, why are the Saints returning a pick? But it was just about getting a little bit better value uh, about where they would select in 2024. And I think not having a second-round pick again played a part in that. Um, but, look, yeah, I, I think – the John Gruden thing is kind of its own. It's an anomaly, right? It's an it's anomaly. Anom yes. And, and I, I agree with you that this is more in keeping with kind of, and, and this is a very rare instance where a head coach gets traded, uh, but the two bills, uh, the compensation is kind of more in keeping with those moves. And uh, look, at the end of the day, Carolina had made their selection. The Texans who interviewed Sean Payton had made their selection with D'Amico Ryans. If things didn't work out with Denver, it was really down to Arizona, and it sounded like Arizona really wasn't willing to pay the price that Sean Payton was asking for. So in the end, it was really just Denver, and if that doesn't work out, then he's probably going back to Fox this year. And so I do think on some level, Mickey Loomis had to be willing to accept what was on the table because otherwise – He's really taking a big gamble to say, all right, we're not going to have a first-round pick this year. We're going to wait until next offseason and hope that somehow there are more jobs, more interest in Sean Payton, and that we would get a greater return. And let's be honest, like the Saints don't have a first-round pick this year. The Tom Brady just retired, so the NFC South is somehow even worse than it was yesterday. And there, it's still there for the taking, and so I think – Mickey Loomis has to look at this as, look, we have a lot of needs. We have, we have a lot we need to fix, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and it's hard to envision how they're going to do that without a first-round pick. So it was a big deal to pick this up. And let me ask you this. They got a first-rounder, number 29. Mickey is notoriously known for trading up. They also have a high second-round draft pick this year. Are we going to see Mickey? Because there's not going to be a quarterback there, even though I don't think they would take one. There's not going to be a quarterback there at 29, just not. Now, I still think they'll probably go O-line, D-line, and DB because that's what they love to draft, especially in the first two rounds. That's historically what Mickey Loomis from, has done. From, from Ohio State. Yeah, and more than likely someone from Ohio State. And it usually pans out pretty well. But let me ask you this. Do you think Mickey's just going to sit there and go, hey, with the salary cap, what it is, we'll figure that out, but we're just going to get whatever we can there, best player available, maybe a lineman, and keep our second-round pick and not get a quarterback? Or do you think Mickey will package those two picks together and trade up to try to get one of those QBs? Look, I, I think there's so many needs on this team. And I think last year and moving up and giving away your first-round pick, which ended up being a top-ten pick, the 
the 10th overall pick, which is what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to get. Um, I, I think that was hopefully an eye-opening and a, a little bit of a, an awakening for Mickey Loomis. Uh, and the reality is that, look, I think for a long time, the Saints would make moves like this. And the assumption was, we have a standard of winning here. That pick is going to be in the 20s at, at, at best. And so let's go ahead and trade that, knowing that if we can move up and get a more impactful player, we have a ton of depth on our roster. We don't need a bunch of bodies. Uh, we just need a couple pieces, and, and we, can, we can take that risk. I don't think the Saints can take that risk anymore. Uh, they need bodies. Uh, depth, depth has been depleted. Uh, I don't think we can count anymore on the reality that, like, this will be a, a pick in the 20s. Case in point, it was the 10th overall pick this year. And, look, if things go off the rails this season, I, I think the Saints could very easily pick in the top 10 again next year. So I don't think they can, they're can. they in a spot right now where they can be given up assets. So I, I would be strongly against the approach that they have done in past years. And I would stay put and make those selections where you're slotted. Um, so that, that would be what I would strongly advise Mickey Loomis to do. Now, uh, old habits are hard to break sometimes, and so we'll see where it goes. But uh, I'm with you. I don't think they get a quarterback at 29. Uh, I think they're going to have to pursue that. Now, would they trade that 40th overall pick in the second round? Would they consider trading that to acquire a Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, he'll be a free agent, but but Derek Carr, you know, or, or, or a quarterback, like would they get in the mix for Aaron Rodgers, something like that? I do think the Saints are going to swing for the fences at quarterback with whatever is out there and available uh, because they tried to do that last year for Deshaun Watson. Uh, and so I don't think anything has changed. They see clearly that they need a quarterback. Uh, they don't have a ton of draft capital. We know the other teams in the NFC South are all, every single one of them is looking for a quarterback and they all have a better first round pick than the Saints do. So they're going to have more assets if they don't draft a guy to maybe trade, to go get a guy or what have you. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the NFC South this offseason, uh, and it's going to be really interesting to watch. I can't wait for Sam Darnold to be dressed for the uh, in the black and gold, and that will be the, <laughs> the quarterback of the future. <laughs> uh, let me, I'll get you out of here with this, Andrew. Now that we know that they're going to have the 29th pick and they got their second rounder and everything like that, what do you think the approach should be? Not what Mickey and company are going to do because, you know, he does like to trade up. But what yeah. should be the priority? Uh, what position should they be targeting with those first two picks that they have late in the first and early in the second? You know, I've always been a firm believer in uh, you pick the best player because uh, the, in the NFL, you're in the business of getting good players. And it really I mean, we've seen this in the past when the Saints drafted Deuce McAllister. It didn't make a lot of sense because they had Ricky Williams on the team or when they drafted Will Smith, it didn't make a lot of sense because they had Darren Howard and Charles Grant at defensive end. Or when they drafted Ryan Ramchek, they had Teron Armstead and Zach Streif. That didn't make a lot of sense right up until the point where it does. My, my policy has always been just get good players and, and it'll work itself out. So I don't worry about position too, too much. Um, but look in a perfect world, uh, they have a major needed defensive tackle and, and at 29, if they can get an impactful defensive tackle, that's a big deal. Uh, I think they have kind of shied away from getting a young running back in the building for a long time. And they've been kind of satisfied with veterans behind Alvin Kamara. And I think the time would be now to get a power back. And so it, look at 29, you may be able to get the second or third best running, maybe the best running back in, in, in the draft. You know, a lot of times in those late first round picks, 
You may not get a quarterback. You may not get a top flight corner, pass rusher, receiver. But some of these secondary positions that are less maybe favorable to teams, you, you might get one of the best guards in the draft. That's a position of need for the Saints, especially if they let Andrews Pete go. You could get one of the best running backs in the draft. We just talked about that. Defensive tackle. So th- these secondary positions, were, which are some of the biggest needs on the Saints team roster, to me, you might be able to get a really special one at 29. And so that's where I would look personally. Andrew, appreciate your time as always, brother. Uh, I know you're going to have fun with the Sean Payton trade and moving forward and everything like that. Uh, thank you for your time, bud. Hey, man, it's been a big uh, 24 hours. Tom Brady retires, Sean Payton traded, the Saints getting some picks, and I'm firing up the, the mock drafts. I'm starting to study the prospects now. Uh, we, we see we have more clarity about everything, so it's been a beautiful 24 hours, and uh, we'll have lots to cover on Saints Happy Hour. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Clear Springs water is the preferred water of the fine folks here at the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. They're local and they're cheaper than anyone in town because of low overhead. They bottle their own water at a plant in Kentwood right here in the state. And here's the thing. They can do private label single serve bottles with custom labels for any business or event. We're talking weddings, birthday parties, bachelor parties. Hey, you could even have some done for the Super Bowl. It does not matter. Spring single-serve bottles delivered to your home or office along with five or three-gallon returnable bottles with a water cooler. They also carry one-gallon bottles and drinking in spring. Clear Springs water, the preferred water choice of the game. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins, the Mad Dog from Tiger Details, talking all things LSU, Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Poll question of the day, final results. What is your reaction to the Sean Payton trade to the Broncos? 33% of you say great, Saints got picks. It's a good thing. 25% say good, but still wanted more. 25% of you say relieved, it's finally over. And 17% say you're just sad, you wish he never left. Once again, Sean Payton going to the Broncos. The Saints will get the number 29 overall pick in this year's draft, and they will get a second rounder in 2024. That year, they will also have to send a third rounder to Denver. That's how the deal gets done between the Saints and the Broncos, and now everyone can move forward. And I agree with Andrew Juge. Don't trade up. Just stay pat, take best player available with that first-round pick. Maybe you do use that second rounder, though, to go get yourself Derek Carr. I think you could probably sign off on that, right? The the thing that I've just started thinking about today is with Brady gone and the division being wide open, I think they're even more likely to go out and get a veteran guy and try to win with what they have. Correct. Which I don't know is necessarily the best long-term solution, but I also am of the idea that it's never great to draft the quarterback of the future while you're still on the downswing of the rebuild, if that makes sense. Because the Saints, if they were going to do a full rebuild, they would get worse before they got better. 
And if you have the quarterback earlier and they have to go through all the rough stuff, I think it's almost better, and it, it can't always work out like this, but I think it's almost better to take the quarterback when you already have a few pieces in place as opposed to take the quarterback, kind of the Andrew Luck model, where they have to go through you know, bad offensive lines. And Cincinnati, same thing with Burrow and stuff. But you don't always get that luxury, but the Saints could maybe make it work out with some of the intricacies of where their picks are and things like that. Correct. Correct. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason for the Saints. That's going to do it for today's show. For the producer, Dawson Iserlow, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. Y'all stay bundled up out there today. Be safe out there and be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.